You're listening to Crushing It, a podcast with me, Jennifer Hoff, a place to highlight women who are empowering others, sharing advice, and just doing good. I hope it inspires you to learn, grow, and go out in the world and crush it. My guest this week is truly crushing it. She just keeps rising the ranks and is now uh, one of the only local female jail commanders. She is a veteran. She is a breast cancer survivor. She is a mom. She is a wife. And she is a wonderful friend. And above all, she is playing really a pivotal role in conversations about racism and activism and just being a dang good human to other people. So we want to welcome Caprice Massey to the conversation today. Thank you, friend, for being here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, I know. We've, we've done this quite a bit, actually. We've met several years ago. And I want to tell this story really quickly because I, I love it so much. We met several years ago doing a story in a different capacity. And after we met, it was like this bond that was just very different for me, I know, and in later conversations for you too. And like, should I give her my number? Should we go to my <laughs> We, I wanted to so badly, but it kind of was different for me, but I just felt such a pull to you and for good reason, because that just says so much about who you are. And we did eventually go out and the rest is history. Indeed. I tell you, I was, um, I was, I remember thinking, I don't know if it's okay. Or what are the rules? Can I be her friend? <laughs> yes, you can. And you are, dang it. <laughs> So when we met, I was doing a story on sort of ramping up recruitment during a time where there was a, a shortage with deputies at the Washington County Sheriff's Office, but frankly, at departments across the country and here locally. It's really, it's, it's a big deal. And you, at that point, were playing a, a big role in recruitment. And I'm just curious, and you've since sort of gotten out of that role, but where do you see recruitment heading nowadays with some of the tough times that are happening to departments across the country? You know, that's a great question because we have had to think very differently about all of our processes, but recruitment in particular, um, as we're transitioning out of the normal. Um, but we have had some, some really brilliant minds that are still primary, that's our primary focus. And they are, they're coming up with very creative ways to reach an audience that maybe we weren't able to reach before. So we've done... Uh, you know, several pretty well done videos throughout the jail, throughout patrol, throughout some of our special teams and our assignments. And we've had, um, we've hosted college job fairs and, and community job fairs with those videos. Instead of them having to feel like they need to come in and be present, they can stay at home, feel safe, log in and go through those virtual tours with us. Um, we also included our new training center and some really cool things like that so that people really feel present. Um, but it has been, it has been a struggle. Um, one thing that has helped us, I feel like tremendously, is that we are one of the few agencies right now that are hiring throughout this whole process. Um, some agencies have put their hiring on hold, but we're just pushing through. We're just being a little more creative in how we conduct interviews via Zoom or Teams or whatever avenues out there and we're getting people through the door. Do you think it's a hard time or a scary time for people to consider that profession? You know, I was very concerned about that given um, the, 
the public sentiment in some places about law enforcement. One thing that sets us apart, I would say, is that our community supports us very much because I think we do things in Washington County that are based on humanity and empathy. However, there has been um, some communicated nervousness from people. And I thought it would be more though. We, everyone showed up for their interviews. People are still applying. People want to get into this. But I think now what we're getting is a different type of candidate. Now we're getting people that see that there have been some systemic issues historically and they want to be a part of pushing us forward and being a part of the solution, which is very exciting. So right now, Jennifer, you wouldn't believe it. We are getting the most diverse group of candidates we've ever seen. Yeah, no, that doesn't surprise me. I, and I think too, when you start to see people like you who are in different roles and you think, oh, I could do that now and make a change as well. There's room for change now and I wanna come in and be a part of that. One of the things that always struck me about you, I remember a while ago when you told me you were all about like glitter and sunshine. <laughs> and you, from the get-go, I, I hate to call it a different way of policing, but it, 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 it is different for some people within law enforcement to sort of see that. Uh, you would send cards to people, you would, and I think a lot of people, some people were probably taken aback a little bit by that. How do you keep your positivity up through everything you've been through? Well, I think um, you actually touched on it with the question. Um, everything I've been through is why I feel like the positivity and the energy comes so naturally to me. I have an unbelievable husband. I have three incredible daughters and um, a support family system that, that I will say I'm just, I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for every single day. I survived breast cancer. And so I am grateful for every single day. And then I'm seeing uh, at work that, well, a couple things. First of all, there is a place for a personality like mine and a non-traditional approach to um, evolving our culture and showing people how much we care about them in every single interaction. And the more I realize that there is a place for someone like me, I actually am evolving to there's a need for someone like me. And um, the other thing that I've learned lately, and this has been a newer concept to me, but is I think that a lot of people historically have looked at me as sunshine and glitter and high energy and all those things are true, but then there's the and. And I'm a veteran and I served for 11 years. And I have bad days, but and I am a breast cancer survivor and I am dedicated to evolving our culture and to ensuring that there is equity and inclusion in every contact that we have and that we're representative of our community. So I'm trying to promote the idea that um, we are all so much more than you know that initial thought, that initial idea. Yep, I'm glitter and sunshine and I'm committed and I will not stop until so we are all treating people the way they deserve to be treated. That's really important. And, and yeah, I, frankly, I, I owe you an apology too. I mean, I don't want to put you in a box and I don't, I don't think Never women want to be put into a box. I mean, we should embrace the ands yes. that we are because we're so many different things. Yeah, and, no, it's true. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think that um, historically there were people that thought, oh, she's just so happy, but 
she likely doesn't have the qualifications necessary to be in this leadership position. But um, I think that now they're seeing that there's the and. And I think a lot of us, we tend to put ourselves in that box. You're certainly not doing it. I think, you know, it's like, okay, I'm sunshine and glitter. But it has taken me until very recently to realize, but then there's so much more. I not only deserve to be here, but I am exactly where I am supposed to be during this time in history. Well, and we know nothing uh, moves quickly. So if you started with glitter and sunshine years ago, and if that's the catalyst to, you know, get this moving and if, however many years later says, hey, I'm supposed to be here, dang it, then yeah. so be it, right? Absolutely. Yeah, we know things don't move quickly. And you mentioned the core values at Washington County. And I do believe over the years of working in the area and knowing you and people there, the sheriff's office truly lives by that. And so do you. That's true. Um, in fact, I, it's the last thing I say to my girls when they get out the car to go to school or when I walk out the door and they're going to school at home. Um, you know, do your best, do the right thing, treat others the way they want to be treated. It is so simplistic, but I figure every time we, we make a poor decision, we can point back and say, okay, which one of those or all three of those did we miss in our, in our, in our error? And I feel like if, if we filter our decisions and the way we treat people through those three simple concepts, we really can't go wrong, at least not intentionally. What does it mean to be a jail commander? Ooh, um, it means that I need to not just consider or filter my decisions through our core values, but I have to embody those core values because we are entrusted with the safety and care of the most vulnerable populations in our community. Um, we are entrusted with the safety and care of our houseless population, of our marginalized population, of our uh, medically fragile populations, and also of our sometimes most violent population. And um, it means that I have to balance beautifully the care and safety and security of all of those people while also supporting and loving and fighting for every single staff member that works, not just for the jail division, but for our entire agency. That's um, a huge weight on your shoulders. Do you feel the pressure? Folks, <laughs> I did not know uh, when I was a lieutenant what that weight would feel like. But um, I will say the biggest difficulty I've had in balancing hasn't been um, the care that we are providing for our adults in custody and the care that I feel so deeply for all of our staff, but balancing not living that 24 hours a day and being present with my children and my family. Um, that has been the area that I probably have struggled the most is I have brought so much of that home because I'm constantly trying to think of how I can better support the next day, how I can evolve our culture to where we are so much better than we even think we can be. And then I come home and they, the people in my home need me to be 
all in, completely present, focused on their needs. And sometimes I miss. But that's okay. That's okay to say I miss sometimes. So what have you found works for you? What advice do you have for other parents who might have a demanding job or a job that requires them to give that much so that when they come home, then they can can say, I still care about my job to the nth degree, but I want to be here for my family. What have you found works really well? Um, Well, I'm pretty fortunate. I have an amazing spouse. So we have incorporated a couple of tips. Um, So first off, when I get too far into work and I forget to leave the office, he sends me a text message with our home address. There's nothing else in it. (laughs) It's just our home address. And it's like, oh, I, I must go home. It's time. And so I get home and his other piece of beautiful advice for me when I accepted this position was to Uh, spend some time before I get home to check my energy and just see where I am and make sure that I'm not bringing those stressors of the day into our home. And even if it means sitting outside for a few minutes and listening to some really fantastic loud music, which I like, that's how I escape. Um, I do that. And then on those days that I reference that I miss, the key is just offering myself some grace. And being okay with the fact that, yeah, I I missed today. You know, today was really stressful. Um, And so um, David and I will spend some time sitting outside and just talking about it so that I can process and and move forward. How is David? I think (sighs) that is um, an important part of your life. You offer one of the most unique perspectives of anybody I know. You are a white female in law enforcement, and you are married to an African-American man and have three biracial daughters and who are very active in what's going on uh, in the the world. And it's got to be just, I don't even know. How has it been? Well, I'll I'll be uh, in vulnerable honesty. It's been really difficult. Police brutality has existed forever. I've not worked for an agency that condones it, but um, there are agencies that have not addressed it. And David is not only exceptionally intelligent, but he is an activist. And it, every single instance causes his heart to break. It takes something from him every single time. I wonder, you know, and we discuss it frequently, but what it must feel like sometimes for him um, with the way um, people in his culture have been treated historically to have a wife who he loves, who's white, who's in law enforcement, come home every day and kind of be the antithesis of, of everything that he holds true. And so we have had, um, it's been difficult. We've had a lot of very emotional conversations. He knows in his soul that um, I am not what has been portrayed across the country, what has been um, identified. He knows that Washington County has been transparent and open, but we're not perfect either. Um, We hire humans and when they're when they display behaviors that are contrary to our policies and our core values, then there's transparent accountability. 
but so he he is supporting me and cheering me on so that I can help evolve the culture, but also, and he is, um, he is our children's primary teacher right now. So they are also getting this beautiful education that I didn't have the personal experience to provide to them. So as difficult as it has been, I sincerely believe it has brought us all closer together because we've had some conversations that we just, I think, didn't, didn't dive into previously. Do you um, think your personal life uh, adds to how much you want to strive for providing a better culture at your professional life? Absolutely. In fact, I, I, would, I would be foolish to think that it didn't. Um, I, I have an experience where my oldest daughter was walking down the street in our lovely neighborhood and you know a jeep full of boys drove by her and they drove past her six seven times yelling the n-word at her she was terrified she called david he ran to where she was she was so in fear because she hadn't experienced that before and it was in the Portland metro area um, where, you know, honestly, I think she thought that just doesn't happen here. Um, those, those instances motivate me more than any other motivation to help my children and my husband get to a place where they don't experience that anymore. And they definitely don't experience it by their law enforcement responder. And your daughter, though I'm assuming you're talking about your oldest, is yep. also very active and um, just older. Um, yes, but she and is so older. that aside is I mean, but young people, young. You have then two other daughters who are very young, and not that everyone should constantly be evolving and learning and educating themselves. But as far as the two younger, what advice do you have for parents when it comes to these initial conversations about anti-racism and inclusion and that? How do you start those conversations when, for a lot of people, they can be they're uneducated or they're hard yeah. or they're uncomfortable? Yeah. Um, where do you start with that? They are uncomfortable, um, but I think, you know, there are a series of conversations, oftentimes with our daughters, that are uncomfortable and difficult. Um, I think the key is uh, not a single-pronged approach. First and foremost, when they are so young, it starts with modeling that behavior, right? Um, there can be no discussions that are overheard that might be perceived as discriminatory or um, lacking inclusion or, or uh, a belief that there shouldn't be complete equity. I think having those conversations, you know, with um, your partner and your friends in front of your children, that sets the standard. That's the modeling that makes those other conversations so much easier. And um, we live in a predominantly white uh, school system, I think. And so there is diversity. And so we are constantly just intentionally teaching our children, you know, um, how to embrace people culturally. And that just because we do things a certain way, or we believe things a certain way doesn't mean that everyone does. And that it's imperative that they respect those. I also talk to my daughter's friends, parents, and I ask them, please, if our girls are at the park 
and they are approached by someone who wants to do them harm or who is uh, saying racial slurs or anything like that, please don't leave them there. Please don't run away and leave them. Please advocate with them. Please run away with them, but um, don't leave them because uh, it's not directed at, at you. Um, they can be really vulnerable. And so I asked them to think about it a little differently than uh, I think was thought about historically, right? People wanna say, I'm colorblind. But by saying colorblind, maybe you won't notice when those people who aren't uh, colorblind, and I'll use air quotes, um, you might not notice when they are um, attacking someone based on their race or their culture or, or, or any of their protected classes. Well, and as they say, it takes a village, right? And you yes. have a wonderful tight group of friends. I mean, it's it's your extended family. I know yes. what good friends you have. And to ask something of that uh, magnitude of them shows that how close everyone is and how everyone is willing to look out for one another. And I think yeah. that's very important to ask Agreed. for help because we don't do that either <laughs> on, on many levels, much less something as important as this. So true, so true. And and I think it, as long as you're open and it, there's nothing that's really off limits, you know, ask, um, hey, would this be offensive if I said this? Because I, I certainly don't expect everyone to know, you know, what might be perceived as discriminatory or, or bias even. Um, and I've learned about things I didn't know before since I've been married to David. And I'm not done growing and learning. And I think that's the key. I know you've attended rallies in the wake mm -hmm. of George Floyd's death yes. in uniform. Yes. You've taken a knee. Yes. Um, I, I wanted to say something like, you know, why did you do that? But that sounds silly because clearly, you know, to me, this isn't a, an issue other than a human rights issue. Mm -hmm. But um you are representing an agency, you know, you were on the clock or, or mm -hmm. you know, in uniform. So where did that decision sort of come from and how was it interpreted? Oh, wow, that's a good question. <laughs> um, the sheriff indicated that he was going to participate in a rally, uh, he was invited um, by the community up in Bethany and a Black Lives Matter and he was invited to participate. And I asked if I could participate with him um, because I wanted to illustrate in person, not just theoretically, that Black Lives Matter is not the exception of other lives being critically important or law enforcement being critically important. It's the idea that black lives have been marginalized and we need to draw attention to the fact that black lives matter. Also, it is so important to be present with our communities. That's why the Washington County Sheriff's Office has the most exceptional relationships with our community because we are present with them and we are listening. In fact, through the entire uh, walk, I'll say. I was carrying a sign that said simply, I'm listening, which now hangs immediately in the front door of my office. 
And I was holding hands with a little boy who was about five years old, who I later found out has autism and was so excited to uh, want to be with me that I just stayed with him the whole time. And being present with our community and showing them that we are there with them. We are a part of them. I live in the Washington County community. Um, I don't just police it or just provide law enforcement services to it. I am with them. And I think that that is the critical message. So I did get a little bit of um, feedback from a few people that they didn't feel like that was appropriate, but I was overwhelmed with feedback and gratefulness for just being present and for not feeling like the attention was on me, but was on why we were there. Can you speak to any policing reforms or any steps that the Washington County Sheriff's Office is taking? Um, and if not, can you maybe just speak to uh, maybe a more generalized idea of where does law enforcement go? What sort of, what does the future of law enforcement look like then? Well, um, I can say that, who um, we, to have taken a very critical look at our processes and policies first and foremost. So um, the beautiful thing is the eight can't wait idea. We looked through what they are demanding initially of law enforcement agencies. And for those, we have been there on almost all of them. And the ones that we weren't there on, we have tweaked our policy already. Um, Chokeholds, deadly force only which is above and beyond what the Oregon legislature just put in place for um, their police reform. Um, it's far lesser. So we are going above and beyond. We have also sought a independent review of all of our training and use of force policies. And we are going downrange on that with a, a independent company that we went out for a request for proposal for. We had several people um, say that they wanted to participate in that and we have selected a vendor and they are going to go through every single process, policy, use of force, training, everything we have to let us know where we're on track, where we need to go and how we can get there. Um, we're working with our board of commissioners to identify um, additional training uh, with outside sources to um, help focus our staff on inclusivity and equity and training for transformation, which I'm super excited about. What qualities do you think you have that sort of have gotten you through life? I don't want to say the tough times. I don't want to say the good. Yeah. Just what I mean to yeah. me, you are just. I mean, every time we talk, you just fill me with complete refreshment and joy and light. And <sighs> I, I just want to thank you for that. But I want you to take a second to sort of humble brag a little bit and say, what is it about you that um, makes you proud? That gets you through different times in your life. Wow. I, not something I really given much thought of. Um, I, Jennifer, I do not give up. 
I watched my mom go through breast cancer three times and work two jobs and and support me while I was deployed and on every great day and every bad day and she never gave up. She always found more within her to keep going and oh my gosh, I just I think I took that from her. And she always had a smile for everyone. My mom was a amazing waitress. She was a waitress her whole life. And she was just wanted to make it a little bit, every experience with her, awesome for the people that she was caring for. And I think I just have always thought, I just want people to experience me in a way that they feel good when they go. You know, and again, I have my days where I do not quite make that. But um, I love being in love with my family, with my life. I, there were days where I, I think I thought, oh, this is what happiness is. And then I've learned that, no, oh my gosh, this journey has taken me down so many curvy paths and roads and off roads. And it seems like we just come back better, stronger, faster. And every day I laugh. David gives me something to belly laugh about every single day. And I actually think that adds so much to my perspective and how I step out the door in the morning to approach my day. <laughs> Man, I don't know if it's because, you know, whether it's COVID, whether it's some larger issues we're all experiencing, whether it's my personal journey right now, but mm -hmm. I just, that really hit home. And I just want you to know in honor of you and your mom, I'm going to do that. I'm going to smile more. I want to uh, just greet people and sort of give off that energy. I think that's important because at the end of the day, I think it will not only make someone else feel better, but ultimately will make yes. you feel better. I agree with that so much. I think I, I get to choose, right? And right. Jennifer, I get up every day and I just choose. I'm like, man, look at this. I, I, I love, I love life and I get to choose and that comes across to other people, but it also helps me. Right. Well said. That is a great way to end it. So whether folks, you know, no matter what people are going through right now, it is all about choice. Life is not going to be easy for people, but you can certainly choose to find the nuggets every day to appreciate and have gratitude. And I think that's important. Absolutely. Okay, dear, lightning round, five questions. Oh. Give me the very first answer that you think of that pops into your mind. Number one, what is the first thing that you do in a pressure-filled situation? Smile. Number two, what is one word to describe yourself? Loyal. Number three, Name something that brings you complete joy. Girls. Number four, what is your favorite food? Seafood, <laughs> all of it. All if of the seafood. If you can see face right now, all the food, just give it to me. <laughs> food. Seafood. Yeah, seafood. And David is a wonderful cook, by the way. The best. <laughs> what is your favorite, re this is an extra question. What's your favorite thing that David makes? Oh man, that is so difficult. He he does these uh, he does fish in a way that I can't. So um, 
<laughs> he prepares the most beautiful uh, fish meals, but he does all the, all the courses, right? So the beautiful salad, the beautiful fish, the beautiful vegetables, all skills I do not possess. Yeah, same. Mike's the same way. <laughs> and lastly, and I think this is important as I believe women just age gracefully. I believe they get better with age. So as we sort of look back, what is one thing that you would tell your 25-year-old self? Oh, give yourself some grace. When you don't get it right, allow yourself the grace to be okay with being human. I didn't <laughs> do that. I don't think a lot of people do. You make me cry, dang it. Hmm. It's very important to do. Very important for anyone, really. I did not really. do that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't well, do that for a long time. <laughs> that's the beauty. 30, that's the beauty in learning, right? It's it's all yes. about learning and growing. So yes. All right, uh, Miss Massey. Thank you very much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. I am grateful for you every minute of every day. Much love to you and your family. Thanks for listening to Crushing It. If you're interested in becoming a deputy and the Washington County Sheriff's Office's recruitment process, be sure to click on my Facebook and Twitter links. Next week's guest is one of the 3,000 brave firefighters who are currently battling Oregon's devastating and deadly wildfires. But long before making an impact as a firefighter, she made history as a professional baseball player. Don't miss her incredible story of triumph. And until then, keep crushing it.